On Monday local time, Israel carried out a new round of airstrikes in Rafah, a city in southern Gaza. Residents were awoken to a barrage of bombardments. That's Post reporter Miriam Berger. She's based in Jerusalem, and for months, Miriam has been covering the war that started after the October 7th attacks by Hamas. And Israeli officials said that this um, bombardment occurred during a rescue attempt to find two hostages, two of the more than 100 hostages still held by uh, Hamas. Miriam says the successful rescue of these two hostages came at an important moment for Israel, which has been facing mounting pressure to bring its remaining hostages home. But in the rescue process, the Israeli military said two of its soldiers were killed. Gazan authorities say at least 67 Palestinians, including women and children, were killed in the airstrikes. Miriam says the strikes were especially alarming to the many Gazans who have fled to Rafah during the war. And it's become effectively the last so-called refuge in Gaza, you know, with the caveat that Gazans will say that nowhere is safe because bombardments um, continue everywhere and disease uh, is spreading fast. And, and, you know, there's a whole host of dangers everywhere you go. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahei Zadi. It's Monday, February 12th. Today, Miriam explains what led up to Israel's latest operation in Gaza and what this tells us about Israel's strategy going forward. Miriam, before we get into more of the details of what's happening on the ground right now, I want to step back and ask, you know, how did we get to this point? Can you just tell us, you know, where is Rafah and why did Israel strike there? Because it does seem like much of this war has been concentrated elsewhere in Gaza. So Rafah is the southernmost major city in Gaza. It also borders Egypt. And so the Rafah crossing uh, between Egypt and Gaza, which is the only land crossing that Israel doesn't control, uh, is there as well. And, you know, it was an important city before the war, but now 1.4 million estimated uh, more Gazans uh, are now living there. And that's out of about um, 2.2 million people. And people have been fleeing there for months this has become the place where the most aid has been able to reach, uh, where the most people have poured in, and where in recent days the uh, Israeli government, um, Israeli authorities have said that you know they are um, planning uh, to go in. They say that Hamas fighters are now um, you know underground in that city and. They are, you know, have not made formal calls for people to evacuate yet, but have said um, that this, you know, is coming. So Rafa is a place where there are there are high concentrations of Palestinians, people in Gaza who have fled to to that point, and now Israel is saying that there were Hamas leaders hiding there. So did Israel set out? to launch these attacks in Rafah because it says Hamas is hiding there? Why did Israel target Rafah at this point? Israeli um, Israel's military said that it carried out a series of strikes um, in the early hours of Monday local time based off what they said, uh, intelligence they had about the location of these two hostages um, who are Israeli-Argentinian citizens. They, uh, you know, they said that these strikes were effectively 
enabled their soldiers to come in um, into this residential area where they said Hamas was holding the the hostages. It, it caused a lot of panic for people because, you know, one, it was a very deadly night. According to Gazan authorities, you know, um, some 67 people were killed. Uh, and it also comes when people are really bracing for an Israeli um, ground operation and intensified bombardments. The sort of pattern that people have seen before was that before Israeli troops went into an area, they would, uh, you know, call for evacuations and have these really intense bombardments, which in part, Palestinians said, made it very difficult for them to leave because often they were being told to flee, uh, you know, while simultaneously under attack. So far, Israel hasn't um, laid out any specific evacuation orders, Uh, you know, hasn't said, like, you should take these roads and go to this place. The the understanding is that those plans are in place um, and just have not been ordered yet. Hmm. Uh, There's intense pressure, international pressure, especially from Washington, to, you know, prevent either prevent this sort of ground invasion um, from human rights groups, etc. Um, Washington and the Biden administration has said, you know, there has to be a clear way uh, for civilians to evacuate mm. before there is such a ground invasion uh, of Rafah. And, you know, again, Palestinians there say that there's, you know, largely everyone's been um, displaced multiple times who lives there by now. Uh, and, you know, just based off of past experiences that there's really no safe way to have this many people leave this area during this fighting uh, and that there's you know, basically nowhere left uh, safe in, in Gaza as well. Yeah, and Miriam, I'm also wondering about the two hostages who were rescued by Israeli forces. It's probably such a relief for their families that they're back. Do we know who they are and how they're doing? So they were 60-year-old Fernando Simon Merman and uh, 70-year-old Luis Har. Uh, The Israeli uh, military says that they are in good medical condition. They've been taken for further medical examination in Israel. This is sort of standard procedure that we have seen in the few instances. Um, You know, this is the second successful attempt by Israeli forces to bring back hostages, and this is in addition to there having been a um, a week-long humanitarian pause, which included the exchange of Israeli hostages for Palestinian prisoners. And so, you know, they'll they'll undergo also, you know, being questioned by Israeli authorities so that they, you know, that people there can learn as much as they can also about the conditions of the remaining hostages. Hmm. Miriam, you had mentioned a humanitarian pause last year, and I think many of us remember that. It led to the release of more than 100 hostages held by Hamas. And this is now months later where a military operation has resulted in two hostages being rescued. So why is Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu taking this military approach rather than another approach to recovering hostages? So there, there is simultaneously going on right now also negotiations with Hamas facilitated by other countries such as Qatar, uh, Egypt, uh, the United States is involved, uh, trying to negotiate a longer term it's sort of the, the the framework right now is this sort of three uh, phase pause in fighting, uh, which would then also include uh, hostage release, prisoner release, 
uh, more aid to Gaza, a cessation of, of fighting. And as you noted, this tension between these two dual strategies of negotiating the return of hostages and bringing the hostages back through force uh, is really um, very divisive in Israel right now. The Israeli government's stated goal is to destroy Hamas and bring back the hostages. Uh, you know, there's been increasing criticism from within the military, even from within uh, you know, Netanyahu's cabinet right now um, when it comes to the war, uh, and then you know, widespread within, within Israel over whether those two stated goals are actually um, compatible or incompatible hmm. with each other. And so there's a, you know, a growing force in Israel that's saying, like, we need to bring the hostages back now. There's this war that many majority of Israelis uh, definitely support. Uh, but there's a feeling right now that, you know, by force is not going to be the way to bring people back. You know, every day that they're still left there, uh, you know, they could die from bombardments, from disease. Their situation gets worse and worse. Uh, and so there's a lot of, uh, you know, protests right now um, led by hot families of some of those who are hostages, by some of those who've returned already to demand that there be you know, a big focus on bringing the hostages back, mm -hmm. you know, through some sort of negotiations. After the break, how Netanyahu has responded to the criticisms of his approach. We'll be right back. So, you know, Miriam, as you laid out, there's two str dual strategies, you know, this one getting the hostages back by force and one through negotiations. If there's increasing criticism on Netanyahu and his government about the strategy to, to get the hostages back through force, why is he still pursuing that? What has he said about that being the effective and needed approach to this? So, you know, Netanyahu has said that the war is the only way to bring people back. He uh, and his supporters have said, you know, it's important to bring back these hostages, but we have to defend, um, you know, in their eyes, they have to defend the state of Israel. They have to destroy Hamas. They have to make it so that October 7th uh, can't happen again. You have to dismantle. Hamas is a military, uh, a military force that controls territory. We're well and within reach, and we shouldn't stop. And so... The calls to rein in the ground operations, uh, you know, in order to, you know, one, protect uh, Palestinian civilians, you know, those those calls from international communities, um, or B, um, from within Israel, you know, really to bring back the hostages, fall on deaf ears for Netanyahu. Those who say that under no circumstances should we enter Rafah are basically saying, lose the war, keep Hamas there. And Hamas has promised to do the October 7th massacre over and over and over again. And, and what about Israel's strongest international ally, the United States? You, you mentioned criticisms. How has President Biden responded to what Netanyahu is doing in Rafah? So all in all, the United States um, has been and remains Israel's um, staunchest ally, um, you know, both in terms of diplomatic support for this war uh, and in terms of financial uh, and uh, support in terms of weapons, etc. What we have heard, though, the kind of language you will hear from the Biden administration when it comes to criticism um, about plans uh, for an operation, a ground operation in Rafah, uh, increasing calls to lessen the civilian toll. So President Biden and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, they spoke Sunday uh, by phone for about 45 minutes. Um, and this was the first time they had talked in three weeks. 
And so, you know, during this call, Biden, um, we are told, sort of emphasized that there had to be a protection of civilians um, and that this is sort of a, con- you know, a constant discussion between the two of them. Uh, this is according to, you know, a White House briefing for reporters after this. And that this sort of was left as a huge question about how civilians could be spared from an Israeli offensive, uh, you know, in Rafah. And this comes after last week when Biden said that the war in Gaza had become over the top. You know, it it has killed uh, more than uh, 28,000 people, according to the Gaza Health Ministry. Uh, You know, nearly 70,000 have been injured in Gaza. I'm of the view, as you know, that the conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been um, over the top. And, you know, this was, again, some of the, the most pointed criticism we've heard from, from Biden, uh, you know, since the war began, uh, you know, after the October 7th attack mm-hmm. uh, and amid, you know, real divides within the Democratic Party amongst, you know, many people who are very frustrated with, uh, you know, what they see as Washington providing cover for Israel's war. So, Miriam, how is the rest of the world responding to this operation in Rafa, and, and what could that mean looking ahead for Israel? British Foreign Secretary David Cameron, you know, has said he's deeply concerned about the prospects of this ground uh, offensive in Rafa. We are very concerned about what is happening in Rafa because let's be clear, the people there, many of them have moved four, five, six times before getting there. And uh, it really, we think, is impossible to, to see how you can, can fight a war amongst these people. There's nowhere for them to go. EU Foreign Affairs Chief Joseph Borrell, uh, Germany's Foreign Ministry, they've all warned that this ground incursion could be catastrophic. You know, the head of the United Nations said that this would, you know, increase what's already a humanitarian nightmare. And I'm especially alarmed by reports that the Israeli military intends to focus next on Rafah, where hundreds of thousands of Palestinians have been squeezed in a desperate search for safety. Such an action would exponentially increase what is already a humanitarian nightmare with untold regional consequences. Aid organizations, uh, United Nations, and even, again, Israel's allies have been warning that this, uh, you know, will be so, so, so catastrophic for, for uh, you know, Gazan civilians. Uh, and, you know, the bulk of those who've been killed, uh, you know, according to the Gaza Health Ministry, have been women and children so far in this war. And so there's just huge fears about what this could mean. Uh, again, Rafa is the, is the main place where aid has been able to be distributed as of right now. Even then, it's still, uh, you know, not enough at all in order, you know, to address the growing needs. There's looming star, uh, you know, uh, famine. A, hu- a huge proportion of Gazans are going hungry and starving. Uh, and then asking, you know, 1.4 million people to, uh, you know, move elsewhere in a war zone. You know, there's just, uh, there's no precedent for that right now um, mm. that people can point to and say, okay, well, you know, in terms of being able to say that this might work at all. Mm. So, I mean, given the international pressure. And then also, you know, the United States being Israel's strongest ally and that President Biden has been making some of these remarks lately and and having reportedly this phone call with with Netanyahu. What does it, I guess, say, Miriam, that Netanyahu is still taking this approach and this tack? What does that tell us about how this war will go on from here? I think this war uh, has shown in a lot of ways 
both the limits um, and the sort of consequences of U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East over recent years, you know, from the Trump administration uh, and then, you know, continuing with the Biden administration. You know, the right now, um, U.S. pressure has been able to, uh, you know, have somewhat of an influence, it seems, on Israeli policy. But the, uh, you know, the sort of destructiveness of this war has continued on. uh, And Israel says it's going to continue until it accomplishes its goal, which it says is, you know, eradicating uh, Hamas destroying uh, the militant group. What that means for you know the remaining Gazans who haven't been killed, um, you know who are now displaced, uh, who are now up against the border with Egypt. Egypt, uh, you know, who's had a longstanding uh, peace treaty with Israel, says that it will not accept. Uh, you know, all of these Palestinian refugees onto its soil, uh, you know, which would effectively uh, be, you know, sort of another a mass displacement of Palestinians, which they experienced with the founding of Israel. All of these elements have really underscored that, uh, you know, the longstanding uh, sort of logic of, of U.S. policy in the region is not holding. And Israel definitely, uh, you know, sees this as an existential fight. Um, Palestinians also see this as an existential fight. Uh, and they don't see the U.S. as at all having, uh, you know, been a new party in this. And, you know, this has repercussions. Israel in the occupied territories, uh, you know, in the immediate region, in the Gulf, all around the world right now. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, what happens in this war is is going to be you know, having a huge impact on U.S. policy and U.S. options uh, for years to come. Miriam, thank you so much for joining and explaining all this for us. Thank you for having me. Miriam Berger covers the war in Gaza for The Post. At a press conference today, Israeli spokesman Elon Levy said his country's military was preparing to ramp up ground operations in Rafah. Levy said Israel already, quote, successfully swept through most of the Gaza Strip from the north. Levy also said most of Hamas's surviving forces were in Rafah, a claim The Post could not immediately verify. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Rennie Svernovsky. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Ariel Plotnick and Lucy Perkins. Thanks also to Emma Talkoff. If you're looking for the latest updates on the big news of the day, check out our morning news briefing, The 7. We bring you the seven stories you need to know about every weekday morning by 7 a.m. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.